So last weekend, as we know, we celebrated the great feasts of Pentecost, the gift of the Holy Spirit, bringing an end to our 50-day season of Easter, which finds us now for the first time since February in ordinary time, right? I know we don't want to think about February, but we're in ordinary time uh, for the first time in three months. As a way to kind of ease us back in, I think the Church in her wisdom offers us on these two Sundays after Pentecost, two feast days, to allow us to really focus on two, most, two of the most fundamental teachings of our faith, right? Next week, the great feast of Corpus Christi, focusing on the Holy Eucharist, and this evening, this first Sunday after Pentecost, uh, the feast of the most holy trinity, and so you can't get much more fundamental than the trinity and the Eucharist, and the church every year wants us to be focusing on these teachings, focusing on these feasts, growing in our understanding. Now, you've probably heard it before, right? The Holy Trinity, this Trinity Sunday, is oftentimes referred to, for us priests, as the preacher's nightmare, right? Because it's so complicated at times. There's so much theology behind it. It can see, seem so uh, complicated, so abstract, so impractical. So we always want to try to give it a shot and see how we do. What I want to begin with is pointing to a quote about the Trinity from the Catechism. Listen to what the Catechism, the Catholic Church, says about the Most Holy Trinity. The mystery of the Most Holy Trinity is the central mystery of Christian faith and life. Did you catch that? That the Trinity is the central mystery of Christian faith and life. It is the most fundamental and essential teaching. Everything we believe as Catholics, as Christians, is based on God's revelation to us as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? This is central. It is central. Now, the word mystery, when we hear it, we oftentimes think what? Something that needs to be solved, right? Something that's unknown. We think Scooby-Doo, okay? We think, grew up in the 90s, the show Unsolved Mysteries, right? Something that we don't know that needs to be proven to us. Actually, when the church uses the word mystery, it uses it in an entirely different way. A mystery of the faith is not something that's unknown, but is actually something that is known and revealed to us by God. A mystery is, in a way, a kind of revelation to us of God. So what we believe about the Trinity, when we say it's a mystery, that doesn't mean that we don't know anything about it, it actually means we know a lot about it because God has revealed or shown to us what this truth is. Now, if, we, if you were to go home and do a quick word search in your Bible, let's say it's in electronic form, and type in the word Trinity. Go home, type in the word Trinity, look in your Bible. Do you know how many times you're going to find the word? Zero. The word Trinity is not found in Scripture ever. And yet it's a central mystery of not just Catholic faith, but all Christian faiths would say this is it. So what does that show us, everyone? The fact that the word Trinity, that is so central, is not even found in the Bible. It means it's a revelation to us by God. And how do we come to understand it? Through the church. We... We can't understand anything about the Trinity except through the church. 
Was it NBC? <laughs> Sorry. Don't know what that means. The church helps us understand. That's why we need a church, right? To understand what it is God reveals to us. So, quick little Trinity Theology 101 for us this evening. Here's the question I want to propose. What do each person of the Trinity do, right? We're North Dakotans. We're practical. We want to know, what do people do, right? What do you do for a living? Okay, God the Father, what do you do, God the Son? What do you do, God the Holy Spirit? What do you do? I think asking those questions helps us understand more about this feast and the central mystery. So, again, what does God the Father do? God the Father, from all eternity, has been doing and will always do and is right now doing one thing. God the Father is pouring forth life and love into the world. Period. That's all God the Father does. Pouring forth life, pouring forth love. Pouring forth life, pouring forth love. For how long? Forever. Forever. That's what God the Father does. Pouring forth life and love. That's just, again, the basis. Now what does God the Son do? What does God the Son do? He's receiving that love for all eternity and offering that life and love back to the Father. So what you have going on then is God the Father pouring forth life, God the Father pouring forth love, God the Son for all eternity, even before Jesus was born, right? The eternal Son of God has been receiving that love and offering that love back to the Father. Now, what does that kind of language sound like? Offering something back to the Father. The Son offering his life back to the Father. All of a sudden, it sounds a lot like Good Friday, doesn't it? Offering his life back for the salvation of the world. So what you have going on in the Trinity is this exchange of love. God the Father pouring forth love. God the Son receiving that love and offering him back to the Father. Now, if that's going on for all eternity, this exchange of love, what does that mean about the exchange of love. It means that that exchange of love is also eternal because the exchange of love has been happening forever. And that exchange of love is so real, so personal. Do you know what we call it? The Holy Spirit. Now, for most of us, right, we think of God as this impersonal being. The Trinity screams to us, no. The Trinity screams to us, God is personal. God is intimate. God can be known. God can be understood. God can be in a relationship with us. So whatever in our head says God is impersonal, God is inactive, the central mystery of the faith says the very opposite thing, that God is the most active reality ever. Okay, now you see why it's called a preacher's nightmare. It seems so abstract, right? So where's the practicality of this? You and I are meant to live in imitation of the Trinity. You and I, through our baptism, are given one task. To pour forth love, 
to receive love, and to be love. We're called to imitate each person of the Trinity. Like that's our number one goal. That's why we exist, is to imitate the Trinity in your marriage, in your family life, in your personal life, in your friendships, in everything. Every single one of us is given the responsibility and the grace to imitate the life of the Trinity. So let's make sure we're pouring forth love. Let's make sure we're allowing our hearts to receive love from God. Right now, he wants to love you. And let's make sure we're being that love that God calls us to be.